part. All right, what's up, Jets Nation? Um, this is your host Trey Gann with the uh, Threes of Crowd podcast. I got my co-host Khalil uh, out here. You know, Spiral Chris Cromarty Jr. Y'all know him very well. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Uh, you know, I'm doing better. You know, I woke up. You know, a couple first round picks in my pocket. You know, something a little bit different about today. It feels good. Like you said, I woke up feeling wealthy. Um, you know, the Jamal Adams saga has ended. So we're going to get right into it, guys. Um, as most of y'all know, uh, Jamal Adams was traded last night or uh, about mid-afternoon to the Seattle Seahawks uh, for, you know, a, a compensation that honestly, I don't think that most Jets fans thought we could get, you know, going into the trade deadline and um, kind of, the speculation was, you know, the Jets wanted two first-round picks, and most people say, you know, that's crazy for safety. Uh, there's no way you're getting two first-round picks for a safety. Uh, but shout-out to Joe Douglas. He's able to get uh, two first-round picks from the Seattle Seahawks along with a third-round pick and Bradley McDougal, and all we're sending over is Jamal Adams in the 2022 fourth-round pick. Um, so I just want to kind of get your thoughts, man, initially on the trade and kind of your reaction to it. Alright, so first off, I'm going to start off by saying fuck Jamal Adams. Uh, We're going to start off like that. Um, So first of all, when I got the trade um, notification, it was pretty, pretty crazy. I I have the um, notifications on for Adam Scheffner and Ian Rappaport. Mm -hmm. So as soon as I like looked up, you know, the top of my screen and I saw that I was on my phone or whatever at the time. And I looked up and I saw the uh, notification or whatever. I didn't think it was real. I thought it was just like speculation. And I can't yeah. remember the exact words that I saw, but I remember seeing Jamal Adams' name. And I was like, oh shit, this can't be good. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, you know, because, you know, usually whenever we get trades like this, you know, you never really get usually the compensation that you expect to get. You know what I'm saying? So when I saw it, I was kind of like, okay, let's see what we got. And if it actually went through. So I started skimming the tweet or whatever, and then I saw the compensation. I was like, my first initial reaction was like, you know, let's go. Especially when I seen um, the play that we got included in the trade, like, mm-hmm. along with all the, uh, the picks that we got and everything. I was like, man, I couldn't be mad at all. I don't think anybody should be mad at it, especially when you factor in, you know, the holes that we have on this team. You know, it's not a premier position. And he didn't want to be here at the end of the day. That's kind of the way you got to look at it. Like, you could, you could kind of try to factor in everything else from Adam Gaze to... Joe Douglas probably flaking on him with the contract and everything, whatever you want to call it. But I don't think, I think the way that Le'Veon has reacted to it, I think it tells more of the bigger story, the bigger picture. I think regardless of whatever happened behind the closed doors and locker room and stuff, I think it all boiled down to Jamal Adams not necessarily willing to be patient and or just giving up on the team altogether. So, I mean... When you factor in, you know, a disgruntled player and we have the opportunity to get that type of compensation and a player involved with it so we won't, you know, lose progress inside the backfield and everything like that on the the back end. You know, you can't be mad at that at all. Yeah, most definitely. And I think the main thing uh, Joe Douglas, you know, he's preached, you know, every GM preaches this, but I think Joe Douglas is sticking by his, you know, building through the draft. And look, um, Jamal Adams is a phenomenal player, but look, he's a safety. And at the end of the day, the Jets 
we're 16 and 32 in his three years on the team. Now, obviously, that's not all Jamal Adams' fault. Like I said, he's a safety. He can only do so much. He wasn't all pro, the best at his position. But that goes to show you, you can be the best at your position and still not make enough of an impact uh, to win a Super Bowl or to make the playoffs. Um, look at, I mean, as great as, look at as great as Minkum Fitzpatrick has been for the Steelers. Hey, your quarterback play is not good. You're not making the playoffs. It's as simple as that. Uh, look at Jalen Ramsey. You know, they traded two first-round picks for Jalen Ramsey. Phenomenal corner, arguably the best corner in the league. But if Jared Goff takes a step back, offense line is not uh, there, hey, you're not in the playoffs. Um, So I think what this really allows Joe Douglas to do is truly build around Sam Darnold and kind of reverse engineer uh, the team. Because, look, we've tried having a top five defense and having a bottom tier offense. It's 2020, you know. At the end of the day, offense wins games. Offense wins championships. And look, let's say our defense does take a step back. But I don't think it's going to take that much of a step back for Bradley McGoogle and Marcus Ray. I think, yeah, the unit may not be top five this year, but I think with Avery uh, Williamson coming back, with C.J. Mosley coming back, with better cornerback play, I think the team could still be a top 10 unit in defense. And that's fine as long as the offense makes the jump, which is most important. Because now with these first-round picks, Joe Douglas, think about this year. Let's say we would have had two first-round picks this year. Let's say we take Mekhi Becton uh, with the 11th overall pick. And let's say Seattle picked somewhere in the 23rd range. Hey, that's where Justin Jefferson went. That's where uh, another offensive lineman, Ezra Cleveland, that's where all these guys went that the Jets could have used. Could you imagine this year going into the season with Mekhi Becton, Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson as your receiving core? You'd feel a lot better about that, wouldn't you? You know, so don't discount the first-round picks just because Seattle may be picking in the later rounds. Uh, hell, Lamar Jackson was picked, you know, what, 28th, 29th? You know, so you can find good players in the later rounds. So, or, hey, I, I've seen it mentioned before, maybe you package one of those first-round picks, send it down to Jacksonville uh, with a, another pick, and you get Yannick Ngakwe and, and solve your pass rush that we haven't had for over 11 years without John Abraham. So there's a lot of things I think this trade allows Joe Douglas to do, be flexible. And like you said, at the end of the day, Jamal Adams didn't want to be here. He didn't want to be a Jet. And to get two first-round picks, another third-round pick, and a serviceable starter uh, for for a safety, let's be honest, it's for a safety, I think is remarkable. And I think Joe Douglas did a hell of a job because um, he basically took something so much. The Jets had no leverage as far as uh, as far as trading him. You know, they didn't have to do it. They're, you know, they had two years of team control left. Um, but they were able to still flip this off. So I think this will really allow Joe Douglas to build this team the way he wants to. And hopefully that means building around Sam Donald with building him with receivers and an offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the, to me yesterday, was um, the fact that a lot of the players around the league, players are actually playing and not just retired players. Like I talked to Antonio Camardi, and he even said it that, he actually liked it for both sides. At the end of the day, Jamal didn't want to be here. He got shipped off to one of the teams that was on his list uh, to mm-hmm. a contender. Um, and we got amazing compensation for him. And that was actually the general consensus around the league as well, that the Jets actually did something that looked like it made sense on paper. You right. Know? When you trade away a uh, talent like Jamal, you know, you, you start to get the backlash immediately, like, oh, you know, what are they doing? But that wasn't the case. Because when you look at it from a hindsight, 
when you have a player that does not want to be here, you know, again, and, you know, you have the opportunity to get two first-round picks for not even a premier position. Like you said, there's, there's times in the league where you can have a top-tier talent. We've had top-tier talents at DB before, of course, and it hasn't really amounted to much. So who's to say that, you know, we won't be able to get back to where we ultimately want to be without mm-hmm. him? I don't think that's the case. I think that with the proper draft and the proper ability to, to form the team around Sam Darnold, I think that could mask a lot of the things that, that could actually come of losing a player like Jamal Adams. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I just think that, oh, you know, I just think that, look, losing Jamal hurts. He's an all-pro. Like I said, I believe he's the best at his position. But at the end of the day, the Jets weren't winning a Super Bowl this year or going to the playoffs this year because of Jamal Adams. The way the team is set up and construed is that Sam Donald is the most important player in the Jets organization. And at this point in time, building the offense and using, look, at the end of the day, spending $18, $19 million on a safety is just not in the best interest of the Jets right now. I love Jamal, but he's not... He, he's not worth that. He's not a corner. He's not a pass rusher. He's not a left tackle. He's not a quarterback. It's as simple as that. Safeties do not have any impact on you winning games or not. Um, and at the end of the day, if the team can once again, like I said, build that infrastructure around Sam Darnold to where you surround him with weapons, surround him with offensive line, I think the team in one, maybe two years, will be at least a Super Bowl contender because – I don't think they're that far off in the playoffs. I know people look at the roster. I don't look at it as that far off from being a playoff team. I really don't. I think they're maybe one premier weapon away and at least, let's say, one or two uh, above average offensive linemen away. I think the defense is playoff ready, in my opinion. I think the defense could be uh, playoff um, caliber. The offense just has to take that next step, and that goes with Sam Darnold taking the next step. And in honor, in honor for step, uh, Sam Darnold to take that next step, he's going to need an offensive line. He's going to need weapons. And Joe Douglas started that this offseason by getting Conor McGovern. I think he's going to be a long-term piece, at least for the next three or four years. Hopefully Denzel Mims pans out in the second round, and you have another starter for the next you know five to six years above average. Makai Becton, another plug-and-play. So let's just say in the next year or so, uh, he's able to find a right tackle and find a right guard. Hey, you know, in that case, maybe four of your five offensive linemen are above average, which is something that you go from being a bottom two unit to a top 15, and Sam Darnold takes that leap from being a top 20 to 23 quarterback to a top 12 to 10 quarterback. I think this team will be in the playoffs, and I just think ultimately these – we'll look back, hopefully – I think we'll look back on this Jamal Adams trade as the turning point for the Jets and the turning point for Sam Donald and this team uh, truly getting out of the rebuild hell and truly contending for the playoffs. And most definitely. Um, I believe with the compensation that we could give, you know, exactly what you said, we get some offensive linemen and even our next receiver next to Denzel Mims in the next couple mm-hmm. of years. I think that's exactly what we should do. I already started looking into some of the receivers yesterday. And I actually like some of those receivers that are coming out next year, you know, with all the speed and everything that they have. Um, yeah. I'm definitely excited for to see what we do with these picks. I, I'm a guy, I usually like, you know, getting players, a player for a player. But when you have the opportunity to get these two picks and a guaranteed extra pick on top of what we have, you know, I can't be mad at that at all. 
you know, before in the yeah. past, this this would be like an emotional trade for a lot of people. But I think uh, from a hindsight of just how we're, we're like where we're trying to go with Sam Darnold and what we have to do in order to put him in the best position possible, you know, that's what we got to do. And Joe Douglas did that for sure. Yeah, he's um, and I think, like I said, Joe Douglas comes from that Baltimore tree, the Philly tree, and I think the Philly tree is important in the sense of. He saw what building around Carson Wentz did for them in 2018. You know, building the offensive line, drafting Lane Johnson, drafting Brandon, uh, trading. I believe he was either a free agent they traded for Brandon Brooks, who's kind of a cast off in Houston. You know, Jason Peters was already there. Jason Kelsey they drafted, and then you know, kind of went to second season. They brought in Alshon, brought in, um, you know, they already had Zach Ertz, but brought in uh, Torrey Smith. You know, they had Nelson Aguilar. So just that understanding of consistently building around your quarterback. I mean, look at what Dallas is doing with Dak Prescott. You know, he has they traded for Amari Cooper. He has C.D. Lamb. He has Zeke. He has the offensive line. That's how you build around a young quarterback. Even Cleveland, as a mess as they are, you know, at the end of the day, the Jets organization to say, if Sam Donald doesn't succeed, it should be because he didn't succeed. It should be we put everything around him and he just didn't get the job done. And that's something you can live with. But what I can't live with is them not building the infrastructure around him to be successful or give him a chance. And I think what this draft does, like I said, what, the, what these picks allow him to do is flip a non-premium position in strong safety and flip it for picks that can be used at edge, corner, left tackle, right tackle, uh, you know, maybe even a running back or just a weapon in the passing game. I think that's most important because, like I said, it's 2020. We got to get with the times. Look at what the Chiefs have built. Look what Denver's built with Drew Locke. You know, they got Cortland Sutton, KJ Hamler, uh, Jerry Judy, Noah Fant. Like these young quarterbacks, Cleveland, Odell, Jarvis, Austin Hooper, you know, they have talent around their young quarterbacks. And the Jets have got to be with that trend uh, in order to succeed in 2020 and 2021. And hopefully by 2022, uh, with the with the once these draft picks hit, I think we could be a juggernaut. Most definitely, I'm excited. Uh, like you said, with the defense, I think it's ready. I think with the the absence of Jamal Adams now, we could be able to mask some of the uh, I think is going to be really good. Um, mm-hmm. We have Marcus May. He's been relatively consistent when he sees the field consistently, and he's not injured. You have, you know, you already know what you bring to the table with C.J. Mosley and Avery Williamson. You know, the D-line was arguably one of the better positions we had last year, surprisingly. Yeah, with a lot of talent the there. Best, yeah. You know, we still have to see what we get out of Quentin Williams. He's still, you know, up and coming, you know, rising talent. You know, we have we have pieces. And I think that's one of the things where a lot of people, you know, that necessarily don't watch the games all the time, they probably wouldn't see, is that mm-hmm. the Jets have a lot of pieces, have a lot of young talent, especially at corner now, a lot of young talent they brought in, and they have the opportunity to be able to mask some of the deficiencies that Jamal Adams technically took on single-handedly, mm-hmm. from pass rusher to, you know, just being a, a, run, a, a, a wrecking ball and run support to covering the tight ends, you know, whatever the case may be. You could plug yeah. and play certain guys, put them in specific roles. And one thing that I actually saw yesterday that really, you know, kind of solidified everything for me was that 
Bradley actually has the ability to play multiple positions. That's what a lot of Jets fans don't necessarily, you know, probably didn't realize that he's not just a guy that plays like a singular position. He put he was placing a lot of similar positions as Jamal Adams has for the past two seasons, you know. So he's not going to be just exclusively on tight ends or you know probably a slot receiver or running back out the backfield here and there. He has the opportunity to rush the passer, to to be run support. To cover, you know, to, to to go interchangeable with Marcus May and Ashton Davis in the and um as at free safety, so he has the opportunity to do a lot of things, and I feel like with Greg Williams and the way he likes to run his defense, he does like to have that interchangeable safety and the ability to do a lot of things, you know. Yeah, and I don't. No, it, no, I don't know. Call me crazy. This may sound really crazy, but I don't believe the drop off will be as steep. As everyone likes to make it seem, that maybe oh no, I agree. Jamal Adams, but I, I, realistically, I have that much faith in Greg Williams and his system to feel as though with the re, um, reinserting Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley back into the lineup and having mm-hmm. a healthy D line and our pass rushers are there, and you know three safeties still, we still have you know relatively good safeties on the back end, you know. I yeah, you know, I, yeah, yeah, most I agree with you because I look at it like, let's be honest. I mean, look at look at San Francisco. Who who's their starting safeties? You know, Jimmy Ward, Jaquissi Tart. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, this yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, you look at um, you just look at the playoff team, the Saints. You know, they have Garner Johnson and Marcus Williams. You know, good, you're you know good players. You know, you don't need elite, elite safeties to win. You just need competence, you know, and that's what Bradley Mandugo and Marcus May are going to uh, bring. You know, I look at it as like kind of like the 2015 Jets when we had Marcus Gilchrist and Calvin Pryor. You know, neither one of those guys are were really all that, but with the addition of Cromartie and Revis, it allowed them to, to play very well. But also, we won games because our offense was able to score points. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Actually, you know, if- I actually just talked to my friend yesterday. He was an Eagles fan. And we were talking about the trade and stuff. And he mentioned the fact that they lost Malcolm Jenkins this year. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that. And it kind of put things in another perspective for me. Because when you think about that, you know, losing Malcolm Jenkins another Pro Bowl safety. The Eagles aren't losing sleep over it. They're still a talented team. When you're quarterback is in place and you have you know O-line and receivers and you know you bring in more talent you know in the DB room yes it's gonna hurt that you lose a Pro Bowl safety but when you have other pieces involved you'll be able to master those those deficiencies so even for the Eagles they're you know with probably Jalen Mills and Rodney McLeod as their starting safeties do you do is is anyone really writing the Eagles off as okay they're about no. to be like the bottom in the NFC East? No, no, they're still gonna be a top tier team. It just all depends yeah. on how you match those deficiencies. And there's a lot of teams that don't have a Pro Bowl safety or a top tier corner, but they make it work. You know, exactly. Yeah, because they have like I said it's, to me. Look, um, I, I you know this may sound like an act, but look. If you're relying on a strong safety to win you games, your team's not very good anyway. I'm sorry. Simple as that, you know. And look, you know, Jamal Adams, look, Jamal, he he basically pussyfoot his way out of here. So let's, let's be honest. Um, 
He said he's built different. Look, and I'm all for guys wanting to get paid, uh, you know, wanting to control their destinations, especially in the NFL when your career is so short. I have no issues with that. But when Jamal Adams comes out and says he's built different and, you know, I'm here through thick and thin and I'm here to change the culture. And then you whine and moan because you didn't get a contract and you and you basically piss on the organization on your way out. Look, Jamal, I'm going to wish you the best of luck because that's the type of human being I am. But I'm going to say that uh, the way you acted for the organization is piss poor. Uh, you need to grow the hell up. It's as simple as that. Um, take advice from someone like Le'Veon Bell, a true professional, on how to handle your business on the way out of the organization. Um, hopefully, you know, Seattle may not have to deal with yeah. that, but but I just want to let Jamal know, uh, you know, the way you, the way he acted was completely immature. He pissed on the fans. He pissed on the fan base. Uh, I know there's still some Jamal fans out there. That's cool, but the way he acted was completely immature. You know, he talked to, he, he acted like a 24, 25 year old that, uh, threw a temper tantrum because he didn't get what he wanted, you know? So ultimately I think moving him was the right decision because, you know, if he's willing to throw the head coach under the bus, look, I don't like Adam Gase as much as the next guy. I hope he gets fired. Um, but you don't do that. You don't you don't be a professional and be on record like that talking about your head coach. Um, so he, they had to move his on. um his for, his for, I don't know. Well, it was actually you know Tyron Matthew. He, he publicly said that on Twitter as well. You know that's not how you run business. You know I'm glad he got traded, but that's not how you do things. At the end, there's a right and wrong way to do things. Mm-hmm. And the way you look at it, you know I always look at it how the uh, the league changes as time goes by you know you saw the Le'Veon Bell situation and you see guys holding out you know and they want their money or whatever and I understand it but when you are a player of the caliber that you are right and you see other guys necessarily haven't gotten their their payday yet and you're under contract you know you're under contract the way you do that is just be leading by example there's a lot of times in the league where guys don't get paid when they want or even how much right. they want, their value. But your time is always going to come, you know. And when you factor in the, you know, from all the times from before, like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to be, you know, a loser. I'm from LSU, you know. I never lost in my life. And this and that third. Hey, he's going be Alabama. <laughs> he's he's kind of showed us a lot of these signs before, you know. We always ignore this stuff like that and kind of sympathize with it. But it comes a time and place where as much as Adam Gates is whatever, you know, we, we all have our opinion on him, you know, mm-hmm. rightfully so. But one thing I can't get with is when players ultimately just give up on the other two players on the team. You know, as a person that has played sports before, if you played any type of sport in your life, mm-hmm. you know that regardless of what, if the, the ship is sinking, we all going to sink together. And one thing I didn't mm-hmm. really like that Jamal Adams did through this whole process is he made it about him. And that's one thing I definitely um, addressed yesterday where Marcus May, CJ Mosley, Le'Veon Bell, you know, even Adam Gates, everybody was under a microscope last year who were looking to point the finger. And we looked at Jamal Adams as like, okay, Jamal Adams is, you know, <laughs> excluded from all this because he's playing amazing. And he took that and he ran with it. And he made the whole offseason about him. Like, oh, I need to get paid because look what I did. You know? 
And I think that's wrong because when you actually factor in all the players that sacrificed something or they didn't get to play at the level they wanted to, Sam Donald played behind the, one of the worst O-lines last year and he didn't call anybody out. Le'Veon right. Bell had one of the worst seasons of his career, didn't call anybody out. You know, right. for what it's worth, Adam Gates had to deal with a lot of injuries. You know, mm-hmm. didn't necessarily throw many people on the bus and, and kind of took ownership for those things. You know, Greg Williams, everything else in between. So it's like all those factors. And Jamal, I just looked at it as like, okay, I don't really, you know, I still need to get paid though. And now, right. or else I want to leave well, and I want to go to these these teams. But yeah, my but my issue, my issue with Jamal is, uh, I understand wanting to get paid. I'm not an issue with that. My issue with that is that one, he's acting like he was acting like. Um, he was the only player that hadn't got paid. There are guys that at more important positions that haven't got paid. Marcus Lattimore for the Saints hasn't got paid. He plays a, a more premium position than you. Ryan Ramchek for the Saints, who I believe is arguably the second best right tackle in the league. He hasn't got paid. You know, what, what makes you any different than those guys that, you know, you should, I mean, hell, at the time, Patrick Mahomes hadn't gotten paid yet. Deshaun Watson hadn't got paid. No, these are all guys from your draft class. Miles Garrett at the time hadn't gotten paid. So it's like, you know, you're not even better than those guys and you're, you know, complaining. You know, so that was my issue with Jamal Adams is that you can do, you can complain and want out. That's not a problem. Players want out all the time. But there's a way to handle things. And he took the, what I call, like, he he just pussyfooted his way out, you know. He, he, he lied. He, he lied about being built different and he pissed on the organization on his way out. And ultimately, the Jets did what was best for the Jets and we got rid of the... What's ironic, the guy that claimed to be a, a culture changer, you know, in the, uh, he obviously might be the best, or I'm sorry, the worst thing for the culture. Um, so we're going to say good riddance to Jamal Adams. Thank you for the three years. Um, but I think we're all going to be better off not hearing you know love <laughs> and uh tweeting every five to ten minutes about his contract situation so you know kind of what are your final thoughts on this whole trade and and, and the Jets moving forward I'm sorry no I was gonna say uh kind of what what's your final thoughts on the trade and uh about the Jets moving forward oh yeah I love the trade man honestly uh I'm actually against, you know, trading some of the picks right now for players that are currently on NFL teams as far as, unless it's something like a third rounder for Ngakwe, I don't necessarily believe that trading a first round pick or the picks we just got for him is, I don't think that's, that, 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 that would be a wise move. I mean, in all honesty, I think we should just sit on the picks that we have draft the positions that we actually know we need that we don't even have to probably even pay somebody right now that's the thing we could trade for some of these guys but we probably have to pay them anyways so why not just draft a player that we could groom and actually someone that you know as we're winning or we're you know moving in the right direction they could want to be here you know trading for disgruntled players or teams that know they're not paying a player and you know, we are paying them premium and hoping and praying that they, you know, continue their production. So it's a risk in, in everything. 
But I think the the best thing for the team would just be to build upon the pieces that we have, see what we have this year. You know, you never know. And you build on the, the, the draft picks that we ultimately get from the Seahawks and the picks that we already have. Yeah, most definitely. All right. Well, no doubt. Uh, like I said, we'll continue to monitor, uh, you know, the Jets moving forward. Uh, we're going to try to get more Jets content on this uh, podcast. Uh, like I said, I'm more, I do have a, uh, we do a lot of subjects on here. Uh, but whenever Khalil's on, it's going to be Jets related. So um, Jets fans, you know, please take a listen to this podcast uh, and, you know, leave us a, a review. Share it with your other Jet friends. Uh, leave a five-star review in Apple um, iTunes if you can. And uh, also, like I said, if you want to listen to some of the other um, uh, kind of material I have on this podcast, uh, we have a lot of stuff with sports. Uh, we just had a great podcast this morning as well. So if you can't take a listen, but if you want to only listen to the Jets content with me and Khalil, uh, that's totally fine. No hard feelings. Like I said, just please share. Uh, give us a five-star review with the Apple iTunes. Um and like it up and, and comment and give us questions and feedback so that way we can continue to move forward and give you guys more Jets content. Um, so once again, shout out to Jets Nation. Uh, Khalil, uh, where can they find you at on Twitter, man? Uh, you can find me at Spiral Kush, you know, S-P-Y-R-O-K-U-S-H, you know. Yeah, all right. We're going to do a lot of these throughout the season and stuff. Uh, you know, whatever comes up, you know, whatever you guys feel like you want to be able to discuss, you know, like I said, we can do Q&As and everything, you know, just open, oh, yeah. open forum at the end of the day. Give Jets fans yeah, we're a type of platform to be able to voice their opinion. That's all. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, we're going to do Q&As. Like I said, training camp's coming up, so we'll have training camp stories. Like I said, it's going to be more Jets content for me and Khalil. Uh, we've been working on this, uh, trying to get everything coordinated. So uh, we're definitely going to bring that for you guys. So, once again, I appreciate you guys tuning in to the Threes of Crowd podcast. I hope you guys are staying safe out there with this whole corona. Um, go ahead and, uh, uh, like I said, leave us a like. And thank you guys for tuning in. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, peace. All right.